Good morning. Thank you for listening to the broadcast of Faith Mountain Ministries and a happy new year. As we enter 2023, I enter with a, a heart filled with hope, understanding that God is working something out, not just in, in this world, but in his people. And by his people, I mean, I mean you. I genuinely believe that every person that's listening to this broadcast can step into that place of receiving the spirit of adoption, as Romans 8 talks about, where you can know God as Father. Where it's not that he's a distant, holy deity, foggy, ethereal, off in some nether world that you have to read about in books. No, he's closer than your next breath. Why? Because he's made you to be the temple of his Holy Spirit. And the promise of the new covenant is that he wants to dwell, not just with you, but within you, to let you know that you never have to take a step or have a single moment of loneliness again. You can walk with an awareness of the presence of God in and upon your life, guiding you, leading you, and that his voice is there surrounding you and and affirming his love for you. And affirming that love for you is not affirming everything about your lifestyle or every choice that you've ever made. He's a good father and brings correction into our lives. And the correction is for our good, not for punishment. It's for the purpose of drawing out uh, the best in us, the treasure that he's placed in us that brings you to a revelation of, of your destiny. The destiny that he has for you is ultimately proven by the fact that you even exist at all. You're not here as an accident. You're here because you're a creation of God. You're part of a humanity that's made in the image and likeness of God. And because of that, you carry the ability to walk in redeemed unity with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In other words, you're caught in the crossfire of adoration, a divine group hug, you could say, as the union of Father, Spirit, and Son has invited you into that embrace. And you and I, as as human beings, live by our senses. Well, God wants to awaken your senses to know why they were even created in the first place. They're not there to be numbed through substances and addictions. They're not there uh, just just to give a dopamine hit every now and then when you find something pleasurable in this life. Listen, that's temporary fix, but you want the ultimate pleasure in this life, and that is to know the Lord, to know Jesus Christ, and to know God, to know that that his love is for you and not against you, that his heart is for you and not against you. Your existence validates your purpose. Just the fact that you are even here. And we find that purpose when we ask the question, who do you say that I am? We're not asking that question to other people as they typically don't know. Uh, We're asking that question to the one who made us in his image and likeness. And when we ask the Lord, who do you say that I am? You know what he responds with? Oh my goodness. Thoughts and ideas about you and revelations of what he's placed in you that outnumber, as King David said, all of the sand All of the sand that exists can't outnumber the precious thoughts of God towards you. Psalm 139. And so you and I have an amazing existence in this life. And not just that, an incredible hope and future for the days ahead. And listen, there are moments of suffering in this life. We all face them. Christian, non-Christian, every person of every faith 
if you uh, have a heartbeat, you're going to find moments of, of pain and suffering that are going to come against your physical being in this life that can attack your emotions and make you wonder, what's even the point of it all? But I'm fully convinced that there is no moment of pain, loss, or suffering that we'll ever face in this life that isn't ultimately redeemed within the context of eternity. Within the context of time, you can't introduce a moment of pain that God can't redeem in eternity. Why? Because he created time. He's the Lord of time. He can do whatever he wants with it. And I think in the reality of that moment, we will discover that the redemption of his grace revealed in eternity is at that moment a present reality that actually has always been for Jesus Christ is, as the Bible calls him, the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. He provided the solution long before you and I ever created any kind of a problem, long before you and I ever participated in the problem. He provided the solution. Even while we were yet sinners, the Bible says Christ died for us. So we are looking with hope into a future where we discover a present that has always been even in our past, which means I think in in this life we can walk in an amazing amount of peace, not knowing that God is going to make everything all right, but that even in the middle of confusing circumstances that cause us confusion and pain and suffering, we can know that everything is all right, that we can have hope that he makes all things new, doesn't invalidate the suffering of our present experience. It just puts more hope and promise in the redemptive work of the cross and the redemptive power of Jesus Christ to reconcile us and to make all things new. And that hope is not an empty wish. It's a promise of the gospel. Now, the Bible says that we, in this new covenant in Christ, have a relationship with God in this new covenant based on better promises than they had in the old covenant. That means you have access to a a measure of goodness right now that was not previously accessed or, or even available to those in the past. And so lay hold of the promises that God has for you. And you may ask yourself, well, what, what are those? Oh, I could tell you about all of them. I've talked about them for many, many, many years. And you go back and listen to all the messages I've ever preached, and they'll talk about the promises of God. But I can tell you that the journey is yours to take, to open up the scriptures and to find the precious promises of God for yourself. And to put your name in every personal pronoun that you read and discover that the, the Bible is, is a revelation of God's heart towards you, not against you. And so the promises that we have in God are yes and amen, according to the scriptures. And listen, what he does with, with you, your life as he touches you is to change and transform you from the inside out. You know, I think of the Holy of Holies, the the room in the tabernacle in the wilderness. They had to move that tent around, you know. And so they, you know, collapse the tent, take it down, and they move it to the next place. What happens to the Holy of Holies? Nothing. It's just a room. It's just a room until the presence of God entered that room. It was the presence of God within that room that made the Holy of Holies even holy in the first place. 
you know, and he fills you with his glory and with his presence, making you his temple. So what does that make you when his presence dwells and lives within you? You could say, well, it makes me the holy of holies. Well, yes, because you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. And of course, you didn't do that. You can't take credit for that. That's purely a work of his grace. But you are the ark or the carrier of the new covenant, the bearer of the light of the glory of God. All of a sudden, I'm just scratching the surface of all these amazing, amazing things that the new covenant reveals about you. But I want to talk a little bit about what we're seeing going into 2023. Coming out of 2022 and going into 2023, we are entering the, the last half of what I'm, I'm believing is a reformational transformation within the church. And part of this reformation is we are getting challenged onto uh, what is authentic Christianity, authentic Christ-likeness. I've said in the past that I believe the church of the new covenant, what God is reforming and conforming us into, transforming us into, you could say, uh, morphing us into. What he's doing is he's moving us from a stadium model to a table model. I told you about uh, a video that I had on one of the social media platforms that hit over 800,000 views. And when that happened, I began to realize this isn't really discipleship. A lot of views on, on a certain video doesn't necessarily mean that we're discipling nations. I was talking to a friend of mine about this who's had videos that have hit two and three million views. And he says, you know, we've just become so used to doing these touch and go things from a, from a, a singular place. And, and in a sense, in one way, we can reach the whole world, much like the Apostle Paul did uh, in, in Acts in the, what he called the School of Tyrannus where he sat for two years and he preached the gospel. And there was such a mobilization of empowered people to go out and carry the message they had received that within two years, the Bible says, all of Asia had heard the gospel. Well, that doesn't necessarily mean that the entire world was discipled. It just means that they heard the gospel. When a person says yes to Jesus, I think there's relationships that need to come alongside of that person to walk them through the journey now that they are on. And uh, that's what discipleship really is, that we journey together, we encourage one another together. And I believe that God is drawing us back into that place of, of small micro-meetings, groups of people who gather together and, and from a place of relationship. Uh, just as friends, they journey together to discover what God has placed in the scriptures for them, getting rooted and grounded and scriptural identity and understanding, and relying upon the Holy Spirit to be their teacher. And uh, you say, well, how do we reach the world that way? Well, very easily, we empower more people to do it. It requires more leaders to be raised up. And the thing about a table, a small gathering of people, is it, it requires a transparency and vulnerability that ultimately brings us to a place of, of purifying what we claim to believe. You can believe whatever you want to believe if you don't ever have to talk to anybody about it. But if you have to have a conversation with people, iron sharpens iron and one person causes another to shine. And so I think of the, the importance of the table, the table of communion. Again, these are things that I've talked about throughout the last year. So I'm just kind of compiling them all into a New Year's message here today. But 
The table is the place where Christ revealed the new covenant. No pomp and circumstance, just the raising of a glass and some bread. And he revealed the new covenant in that moment. And that moment where the new covenant was revealed was, I believe, probably one of the most uh, important moments in human history. You say more important than the cross and the resurrection? Oh, listen, certainly the cross and the resurrection did more than we can even begin to imagine. But God's relationships and dealings with man are all based within the context of covenant. The new covenant in Christ was introduced at a table. And it was the cross and the resurrection, the shed blood that shut down the the old covenant sacrificial system and completely covered and forgave your sins, dealt with them permanently. That forgiveness is permanent. hear, Hear what I'm saying here. And that resurrection validates your innocence before God. That's what gives you and I access to the new covenant. But it was introduced at a table within the context of something as simple as a conversation. No angels singing, no fireworks or earthquakes or anything. Just God incarnate in the flesh, raising the glass and breaking the bread and saying, this is my blood and this is my body. This is the new covenant. And and then later on at another table, uh, after Jesus walked with some men on the road to Emmaus, he sat down at a table and broke the bread and they suddenly recognized that it was Jesus. They had been discouraged, thinking they had lost him, and he was walking with them the whole time. And it wasn't until they sat down at the table that he was revealed. The new covenant was revealed at a table. Jesus himself was revealed at a table to people who thought that he had forsaken them. I think of the table revealed in Psalm 23, where David says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. The table is not a place of conflict. It's a place of connection, sometimes confrontation, brave communication that comes from the heart of of love over a table. The one who thought he was your enemy can maybe discover that he's actually your brother. There's something about a table that draws people into an awareness of the presence of the Lord. And God wants to be included in every table we have. You, You sit down at many tables a day, hopefully, uh, and and you you break bread, you you have a meal, and you share that meal with somebody. And in the context of sharing that meal, there's something about that moment where if you're willing to include Jesus in it, I believe His Holy Spirit is present there to draw us just a little further into an awareness of who He is and who He's made us to be. And so we can grow in discipleship within the context of a conversation. And you say, what's the big deal? What's the important thing about that? I think COVID should teach us the importance of the table. You have micro gatherings. You have small groups of people who regularly gather to break bread, have a meal, share a table together and and a conversation and are willing to introduce the Lord into those moments intentionally with the purpose of developing spiritual growth just as you're developing physical growth. When you're willing to do that, Nothing like COVID can shut it down. Why? Because we don't need, listen, we don't need media for those moments. That's the thing. If something happened, let's say, uh, think about your life like this. Think about your, your discipleship world like this, your Christian life like this. If suddenly uh, we were without all of the freedoms that we have come to enjoy and feel entitled to as Americans, 
and uh, couple that with suddenly the entirety of the internet were to completely go away. That's not beyond uh, reason or logic that this could happen, okay? If those two things were to take place and suddenly gathering in mass gatherings as as communities of believers, as we've come to know in the United States, is shut down and illegal, right? And we'll always have people that will rise up and say, no, we want to go back to mass gatherings again, because for some reason we think that that's the only way that the gospel gets out is if we have large gatherings of people either worshiping or preaching or whatever. I love those things. I participate in those moments. But listen, the, the early church didn't have the luxury of those moments. And when you did get mass gatherings, you, Jesus shutting them down by saying, eat my flesh, drink my blood, or you have no part of me. And so Jesus reveals the new covenant at the table. He reveals himself at the table. Enemies become friends at the table. And if we are in a situation ever as people where practicing our faith as we have come to know it is suddenly not possible, you can still have a meal with people. Even in the most oppressed societies, there are restaurants, houses with kitchens, and tables, and people still have friends. And I encourage you to develop within your world a lifestyle where if, let's say, another pandemic or a governmental system took place where we couldn't gather, churches were closed, meeting as a quote-unquote church gathering was illegal, you can't ban friendships and meals we kind of need those things as human beings, and even the most evil of societies knows this is true. Cultivate a community that is not reliant upon media, that knows that they gather in a regular place on a regular basis for the purpose of having a meal and sharing life together and introducing the Lord into the moment. Times of worship and times of feasting and times of feasting on the word and feasting on food as well. Uh, these are the things that we as, as human beings uh, need. And it doesn't matter how much media we have or don't have, our, our needs are never beyond a meal and relationships. And they're never reduced to the point where we can do without those things. And I think God knows this. And I think this is a this is a necessity for us, especially in the days ahead. I'm telling you, in the days ahead, this is going to be more important than ever. I love the fact that we fight really, really hard for the mass gatherings. I think that's great. We feel entitled to those things as Americans. But you understand there are governmental systems in the world that are listening to a completely different voice other than other than the voice of the Lord. And they are not thinking of ideas that are for your good. They're thinking of ideas that increase their power. And that's not something that's conducive to Western Christianity as we have come to know it. There will always be forces out there that actually seek to undermine the the gospel and seek to undermine the church and come against the church for the purpose of gaining their own power. Um, there's many governments out there that can't handle others being powerful. And when the church rises up in power, the church becomes the enemy of those who seek to take it. And the reality is, is nothing can take truly take your power away. Why? Because the one who is the source of all authority and power in heaven and on earth lives within you.
So you never have to feel threatened no matter what's going on in the world. And that's why I say, listen, we, when the Bible says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, not kidding. It's true. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. And uh, you say, well, I, you know, I, I, wanna, I want the freedoms. I, I'm fine. Go ahead and fight for those things. But you fight for things that you feel are under threat and you feel like you're going to lose. And, and those things that are under threat and you feel like you're going to lose, you can't actually really lose. So the fighting for those things doesn't really gain you anything other than the freedom to gain greater expression. And the freedom to gain greater expression in many ways has only made us lazy when it comes to, to, uh, to communicating the gospel with people on an individual basis. Like a lot of people have lost the ability to actually share the gospel with a person face to face. Put something out online and put a message out online and feel like you've done something. And the reality is, is that's not discipleship. Discipleship happens when you're willing to get down in the trenches of life with another person. And uh, I, I love the, the community that Tracy and I have. It's a small, small group of people who gather together on a weekly basis to share a meal, a time of worship, and, and opening up the scriptures together. You say, is that a church? It's it's an ecclesia, it's a koinonia, it's a fellowship of people, it's, it's human beings having communion, celebrating a new covenant revelation of Jesus Christ, and having a conversation about those moments. And, and I tell you, the Lord meets us richly in those moments. Mass gatherings are, are a cultural anomaly across history. And if we think that that's ultimately the goal, then we'll fight to protect those things and, and everything else becomes an enemy against those things. But the reality is, is in your Life, do you have a discipleship community that you can have conversations with? The unity of the authentic church was a dimension of grace, the gift of God to man, that actually was experienced at Pentecost. There's a moment of history of mankind where a group of people experienced this amazing, amazing unity that I'm talking about today. This new covenant revelation that we're, we're being brought into. And they understood it with a heart that was so overwhelmed with joy that people who passed by actually thought they were drunk. And in that day of Pentecost, the mercy and the love of God was poured out in the shape of fire and the sound of a rushing mighty wind and tongues and uh, the filling with unending joy and the gifts of the Holy Spirit that became active within the people of God. And that Holy Spirit that fell upon people was meant to actually bring a union, a unity, to unite them. For Jesus had been praying just before, a little while before that, said that, Father, the glory you've given to me, I give to them that they may be one, just as you are in me and I am in you. And that union, he goes on to say, is so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them just like you love me. That moment of Pentecost began a brand new dimension of unity within the body of Christ. And that dimension would empower us to follow the narrow path laid out by Jesus and to understand what union, what gathering really means. Is this something that we do in the context of a stadium? Those are special moments. And we are able to have them so often that we think that that's the church. But it's not. The Holy Spirit fell upon a small gathering of people who turned their attention toward the presence of the Lord. The Holy Spirit in that moment was bringing consolation and comfort. But I got another word for you. It's the word consolidating. That word bringing us into a oneness with God himself 
and with one another was the taste of the new covenant that Jesus had promised. And you understand that Pentecost moment was introduced at a table and then we gather together in a room and it falls upon us. What When we listen to what Jesus invites us into and we actually take it seriously, he takes us farther than we thought we could ever go. The Pentecost uh, moment was a culmination of the breaking of the bread and the pouring of the wine at the, the table of the Last Supper where Jesus introduces the new covenant. It's the culmination of the the moment of the cross where your sins are dealt with and innocence is restored. It's a moment of culmination of the validation of innocence of the resurrection life where Jesus comes out of the grave and brings you out with him into newness of life. A defeat over death once and for all where death, hell and the grave and fear can't ever control your life again. It's a moment of culmination where the line between This present plane of physicality and the spiritual realm of the eternal unseen is suddenly erased and there's no distance and no separation and no condemnation with us and God. It's the moment of consolidation of relationship, but it's also the moment of the consolidation of teachings. And on this amazing and holy day, the Holy Spirit descends upon the people that are gathered together, the apostles opening their hearts to the true meanings of the parables and all the teachings of whatever you do to the least of these you've done to me. And the Beatitudes must have been just enlightened in that moment by tongues of fire, the flowing of liquid love, of languaging, of love towards God and loving one another and even loving ourselves and our neighbors together, loving our enemies, laying down our lives for others. In that moment, the revelation of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost brought light into the darkest corners of the church, the darkest corners of the people's hearts gathered there, igniting them and keeping that flame going from one heart to another heart as they made disciples, drawing people to an awareness of what Jesus Christ had done. And I think that's the most beautiful revelation of union that there could ever be, but it was just the beginning. It's brought us to where we are today. Have we become so reliant upon media that we don't even know how to share the gospel, passing the flame of the gospel, passing the light of the gospel from one person to another anymore? We'll find that again when we find the value of bringing Christ into every conversation including him at every meal. I think that's what he meant. When he broke the bread and he poured the wine, he says, every time you do this, remember me. In other words, every single time you gather together to have a conversation around a table, make me a part of it. I think this is one of the ways we make disciples. Forces us into a place where we're not, we're not necessarily bound to a schedule of, of routine mass gatherings. No, we... We're actually coming together because if we don't eat, we don't survive. And yet man doesn't live by bread alone. And we discover in the life of those conversations where Christ is included, there is a healing grace that takes place that rests upon us. I think that's available to every single one of us. Here's my encouragement for you for 2023. Develop and cultivate a community, a lifestyle, 
or nothing like COVID or no change in government could ever shut that down. Get those communities in place. I think they're going to be incredibly important in the days ahead. Oh, Father, I thank you for this time today. And Lord, I pray that you bless each and every person as we enter into 2023 to not be an isolated island, but to have new value for shared community around a table. God, we thank you for the gift of the United States of America, the gift of freedom to be able to worship freely in massive gatherings without any threat. Lord, I pray that you would continue to allow us to have those freedoms for the generations to come. But Lord, if draw us into a place of valuing those conversations around a table even more. God, I feel that it's the need to emphasize that today. And I feel that that's, that's your heart to draw us back to that place of remembering you as we gather to have a meal, to share worship, to open the scriptures and let you teach us by the power of your Holy Spirit. We trust that you'll do that as we gather in Jesus' name. You can write to us here at Faith Mountain Ministries, Box 595, Marshall, Minnesota, 56258. And uh, we encourage you to uh, just uh, keep listening to the broadcast as you can. Jump online and, and be a part of our Tuesday night Bible study on Zoom. You can participate in our small group gathering and uh, and and listen to the conversations and maybe it will encourage you toward developing a gathering of your own a small group gathering uh, jesus said wherever two or three are gathered there i am in the midst of them in other words you can actually have uh, an amazing moment the presence of god in the context of any conversation where just two or three are gathered and so uh, make that a priority for you this year if you don't have that already this is Bill Vanderbush from all of us here at Faith Mountain Ministries. Until next time, may the grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all.